This morning we're finishing up our first series of 2023, a series we call Beginnings. It's been an overview of the book of Genesis, and if you've missed any uh, of those uh, messages over the first part of this this new year, I encourage you to go back to our website, you can go to our YouTube page, you can scroll back on our Facebook page and find any of the the messages that are there. Uh, I encourage you to to do that. Uh, we'll, We'll go in another direction starting next week, which we'll talk about the end of our gathering today. But this morning, I want to begin with a question. I'm going to put the question up on the screen. You might want to snap a picture or write it down uh, to think about uh, at some other point in time this week. But here's the question. How would your outlook on life change if you believed God was really with you in every situation? I mean, every situation. How would your outlook in life change if you believed that the God of the universe was really with you? What do I mean by every? Well, let me give you a few. In that divorce that you went through, if you really believed that God was with you, in that bad grade that you received, what would happen if you really believed that God was with you? And the fact that you got passed over for a promotion that you were convinced that you deserved. What if you really believed that God was with you in that? What if you really believed that God was with you in the disability that you were born with and continue to live with? What if you believed that he was with you in the financial crisis that you're currently dealing with? What if you believe that God was with you in your children's ongoing mental, physical, maybe emotional struggles? What if you believe that God was with you in the unexpected loss that you've experienced in your life? I mean, think about it. How would life be different if in the middle of the worst things that happen in your life, you could not just say it, but truly believe God is in this. Not that God did this, but God is right here in the middle of this situation, of this circumstance, of this storm that I'm going through in my life. And, and even though even though it feels like things are, are completely out of control and this is painful, I believe that he's right here with me. And, and I know if we're being honest, if we could just kind of all put the truth detectors on, we, if we've been following Jesus any amount of time, we would say something like this. I believe that mostly I believe that about most things that happen, but, but Trent, you don't understand. There have been some things that have gone down in my life that I'm just not sure that he was there. But just suppose for a minute that you believed it. I mean, how would your outlook on life change if you truly believed it? See, I think this is the question that we need to ask and wrestle with as we think about the life of Joseph. This is who we're going to be talking about today. 
We talked about him last week, and we're going to do a big, broad overview of his whole life this morning. So if you have your Bible, you can open to, to Genesis 39. And uh, if you need a Bible, grab one on your way out. And if you don't have one this morning, we'll probably, not probably, we'll throw some of these verses up on the screen. See, his story, the story of Joseph in the Old Testament can teach us a lot. But if you can boil it down to, to one thing, I think this is what, what I would boil down Joseph's life story as, as being like, this is what we need to learn from it. It's this, sometimes bad things happen to good people and sometimes really good things happen to bad people. And the one thing that I'd add, we can't figure out why. We can't figure out why. I think that's the story of Joseph. That's what happened in Joseph's life. Some, some really bad things happened to a man who demonstrated time and time again that he was a good man. He was a man of character. He was a man of integrity. But it didn't, it didn't stop bad things from happening. I think when we think about Joseph's life, I, I think we, we, we will see a man who truly believed that God was with him. And it changed his outlook on everything that he went through in his life. And we're going to take some time this morning, maybe in a little bit of a uh, communicator's license way, uh, to think about Joseph's story. Let's, let's start at the beginning. If you know anything about Joseph, you would know that Joseph was his daddy's favorite. He was one of 12 sons. Jacob was his dad. And daddy made it no secret that Joseph was his guy. He was his boy. He was his favorite. His eyes would light up whenever Joseph walked into the room. Joseph was the guy on Friday night when it was pizza night and there was a piece of pie, or pizza, piece of, uh, pizza left. It was, also Joseph, it was always Joseph who was offered the last slice of pizza. Joseph was the, 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 the son who always got to have his friends over. Dad might say no to the other boys, but he wouldn't say no to Joe. Of course, Joseph, you can invite your friends over for the day, and you can invite them to stay the night. I mean, he was unapologetically, everybody knew it, everybody saw it, he was his daddy's favorite. And to demonstrate to everybody that he was his dad's favorite, his dad gave him a special coat a coat of many colors, just to make sure if there was any doubt in anybody's mind that Joseph was the favorite, the coat removed all of the doubt. That was Joseph's growing up. At some point during his teen years, something happened to Joseph. Joseph started having these dreams. And these dreams were a little bit strange, they were a little bit odd, they were about wheat bowing down to a taller, bigger wheat, and, and, and he began to go to his brothers, and, and they would sit down and talk, maybe at dinner or maybe while they were doing chores, and Joseph would talk to his brothers about his dreams, and, and he, would, he would not just tell his brothers his dreams, he would interpret his dreams to his brothers, and the interpretation of Joseph's dreams were basically this, hey guys, I want you to know something, I had a dream Matter of fact, I keep having these dreams, and, and the dreams are telling me that one day, you're not going to believe this, one day, y'all are going to bow down and worship me. 
Now, leadership lesson in this one, okay? You, just because you, you dream it doesn't mean that you got to tell it. All right, so you can look back. That was a mistake on Joseph's part, right? He, he was young, right? He, he wasn't very discerning, right? But, but he went into his brother's life and, and said, look, one day you are going to bow down to me. And, 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 and if the brothers didn't already have a disdain for Joseph because of the way his dad treated him, this put them over the top. And the disdain grew to become hatred, Downright hatred for their brother. One day, the brothers are out taking care of their flock. Joseph wasn't there because why? Well, as dad's favorite, he didn't have to do the work. He, he was able just to stay home and play video games, do what he wanted to do. But then dad said, hey, we need you, I need you to go and check on your brothers. See how they're doing out in the field as they're taking care of the flock. You know, who wants their little brother to come and check on them, right? So Joseph jumps on his ATV that daddy bought him, drives out to him, right? And as he's coming toward them, the brothers see him in the distance. They look at each other and they're like, here comes that dreamer. Man, I am sick and tired of Joseph. Daddy this, daddy that, Joseph this, Joseph that. It's not right, guys. We should do something about it. I know what we should do. We should kill him. No, 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 no. Another brother pipes up. No, no, we're gonna, can't. We, God forbid that we do something like that. And so they continue to concoct a plan. And the, the plan, again, if you know the story, you know the story, but we need to review it. The plan was we're going to grab Joseph and throw him in a pit. And then we're going to sell him to a, a, to a traveling merchant, get some money for him. So we got a profit off of this situation. Right? We're not going to kill him, we're just going to sell him. And so as that plan began to unfold, they sold him, took his coat, dipped that coat in some animal blood, go back to dad, show him the coat, and they're like, we think Joseph's dead. Now, how, how's that for a life story up to this point? Man, that's, a, that's a difficult life story because, again, Joseph, apart from the whole dream part, right? Hey, bros, you're going to bow down to me? Big mistake on Joseph's part, right? But up until that, and besides that, Joseph had done nothing wrong. It's not his fault that his dad was, a, was, was making a parenting mistake, right? How many of your parents know that favoritism is, is a parenting mistake, right? How many of you still have a favorite kid? Don't raise your hand on that one. Don't raise your hand. But, but it wasn't Joseph's fault that his dad treated him better than he treated all of his brothers. That then led to his brothers hating him and then led to them deciding to throw him in a pit, take his coat, dip it in blood, and go back to dad and say, Joseph's dead. And in the story, again, trying for sake of time to, to, to keep moving, Joseph ends up in Egypt. And we talked about this part of Joseph's life, life last week. He ends up in the home of Potiphar. And it's there where we see this phrase that's going to become critical to everything that we talk about today. Genesis 39, verse 2. Simply says that the Lord was with Joseph, and he became, he became a successful man, and he was in the house 
of his Egyptian master. This idea that the Lord was with Joseph is woven throughout Joseph's life. Now, we know it didn't happen, but if it were possible to at some point Joseph to sit down and read this account of his life, he may have stopped at this point and, and, and said, well, hold on, time out, time out, time out, time out. Really? R- really? You're going to say the Lord was with me? I mean, come on, how is that possible? How was he with me when my dad was treating me in such a way that caused my brothers to begin to hate me? How how can you say that he was with me when they threw me in a pit, lied about me, and sold me into Egyptian custody? I, I just don't get it. But that's not possible. That didn't happen. And the truth of the matter is, he wouldn't have said that anyway. Because in spite of what had happened, Joseph chose to believe a different narrative. He chose to believe what was written about him. That the Lord was with him. And that is what enabled him, enabled him to, while in Potiphar's house, continue to do right. Continue to live with character and integrity. Continue to serve Potiphar faithfully. He served him so well that Potiphar took notice. Go down and look at verse number five of of Genesis 39. This is from the time that he made him, he, Potiphar, made him, uh, Joseph, overseer in his house and over all that he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in in his house and field. Potiphar knew something was different about Joseph. He knew that the Lord was with him. He knew that the Lord was with Joseph. Again, this is an important season in, in Joseph's life because... Had he, in the midst of this moment in life, decided or concluded that God had forsaken him, the next part of the story would have ended up completely different. If Joseph, as a young man, had been, again, put in the position that we we see him put in inside of Potiphar's house, about to be propositioned by Potiphar's wife, If he had decided, God's not with me, do you think the next part of the story would have been different? I think so. But you see, I I believe, we see this in Joseph's life, that he was convinced that God was with him. That's why when we're introduced to the story of Potiphar's wife, and that part of the story, and we preached a whole message on it last week, so we're not gonna redo the whole message, but as review, uh, Potiphar's wife got wind of Joseph. She observed Joseph, noticed that he was a good-looking, well-put-together young man, and began to flirt with him, began to make advances with him, and then got to the point where she just said, come and lie with me. And Joseph was like, no, can't do it, not gonna do it. That's not what my master would want. He has given me, he has given me control over everything in his, in his kingdom except for you, and I'm not going to betray my master. 
by sleeping with you. Well, this ticks her off, right? And so one day he's in, 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 in her proximity. She makes the pass to him. He's like, I told you I'm not down for this. And he begins to walk away. She grabs him and he just walks out of his coat, right? Well, at this point, she's very upset, very angry, how dare the, this Israelite, how dare this Hebrew, how dare he do this to me? So she decides to take revenge on Joseph, goes to her husband and says that he tried to get with me, he tried to force himself on me, which again, rightfully so, makes Potiphar very angry. And he grabs Joseph and throws him in prison. He throws him in prison. And at this point, again, would you blame Joseph if he begins to think, well, maybe God isn't with me. Maybe God has abandoned me. Maybe he has forsaken me because I've done all of these things right and I'm still being wrong. But in prison, we look at chapter 39 and jump down to verse 21. While in prison, look at what it says. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Scripture says that even in the prison, God was with Joseph. So again, back to the question. How would your outlook on life changed if you believed that God was really with you in every situation? The pit, Potter's house, and now in prison. The hatred of his brothers, which started with the mistakes of his dad, right? The lies that were told about him by Potiphar's wife, the anger of Potiphar. All of these things were things that were done to him. And yet in prison, Scripture says that the Lord was with Joseph and made him to be successful. And the only reason why he was successful in prison, to the point where they trusted him as a kind of a leader, being in charge as a prisoner, was because there must have been something inside of Joseph who believed that God was with him as well. And it enabled him to continue to live a life of character and integrity. Let's go back to the story. He's in prison now for a couple of years. The scripture says that there was a day where all of a sudden he got a couple of cellmates. And it just happened to be Pharaoh's butler and baker. They had done something to tick off Pharaoh and Pharaoh throws them into prison. And if you read the story and you know the story, they both begin to have this dream and they're, they're troubled by the dream. And they ask Joseph about the meaning of the dreams. And he's like, I can't, I don't know, but God knows. I mean, tell me, what, tell me what you dreamt about. And the butler says, well, I had this dream that, uh, that seven large cows came out of the, out of the Nile. And, and then I, I saw seven tiny kind of, you know, uh, malnutritious, nu- nutri- malnutritious, I use words, 
malnourished cows came out of the Nile as well. And the malnourished cows ate the fat cows. And then they said, eat more chicken. It's, it's in there. Read it for yourself. Right? And, and, and then the, the, uh, the, <laughs> the baker has a similar but a little bit different dream. And, and so Joseph's like, okay, here's the meaning of the dream. Mr. Butler, in three days, you're going to be released. I, I got that wrong, didn't I? I did. I got that wrong. That's Pharaoh's dream. I got, I got ahead of myself. I did. Remember what I just said? Forget that. That wasn't their dream. That was Pharaoh's dream. Wow. I was so excited about the eat more chicken line. Man. I was so excited. I thought, man, this is going to get them. This is a good one. I, I got ahead of myself. Doggone it. Ah. Anyway, the butler and the baker both have dreams. Wasn't about a cow, right? That comes later. But then, <laughs> sheesh. It's embarrassing. But, <laughs> but Joseph tells the butler, hey, here's the meaning of your dream. In three days, you're going to be restored back to your position in Pharaoh's home. The baker... Uh, says, all right, well, tell me my dream. Is that going to happen to me? And, and, and Joseph's like, no, nah, not so good news for you. In three days, you're going to die. You're going to be hung publicly. You're, gonna, you're, you're, you're a goner. And, the, 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 and, and, and that happened, right? That's what ended up happening. But on their way out, on the butler's way out of the prison, Joseph pulls the butler aside and he says, hey, listen, would you, would you remind Pharaoh of me? Would you, would you tell him about me? Like, I was put here by Potiphar, right, one of, one of his, his top military dogs, and, and I was put here undeservedly. Would you, would you remember me to, to Pharaoh? And the butler's like, yeah, I got you. I got you. I will tell him that, that he should come and let you out of prison. And so maybe in that moment, Joseph is encouraged. Maybe he feels good. Um, but the butler forgets him. The butler forgets him. Until two years later, the butler is back in the king's good graces. He's serving him. And, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh has a dream. What's his dream about? There you go, right? But Pharaoh has no idea what the dreams mean. And he begins to look for somebody who can interpret his dreams. And all of a sudden, the butler has this aha moment. He's like, oh, no, I, I forgot I forgot to tell Pharaoh about Joseph. So he goes to, to, to Pharaoh and says, hey, when I was in prison, there was a guy I met there. He told me about my dream, and, and it came true, and it was right, and it was good. Perhaps he can help you. Pharaoh sends for Joseph. Says, hey, Joseph, can you tell me about my dream? And Joseph says, well, I can't interpret your dream, but, but God can. Which if you don't, if you don't know anything about Pharaoh or Pharaohs in those days, that would have been insulting to him. Why? Because Pharaoh believed, Pharaohs believed that they were God. Like, you're not God, Pharaoh, but I know a God who can interpret him. But, but Joseph was still confident in Pharaoh's 
presence enough to say that to him. Why? Could it be that Joseph was convinced that God was with him even as he stood before Pharaoh? And that's what gave him the confidence to talk to Pharaoh in the way that he, that he did. So anyway, Pharaoh explains the dream for him. You know, here, insert joke there, okay? And, 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 and the interpretation of the dream was this. Not that, not that Pharaoh should eat more chicken, but the interpretation of the dream is this. Joseph says, okay, here's what this means. The fat cows that represent seven years where everything is gonna go great here, here in Egypt. You're, you're gonna have food and, and, and harvest in abundance. But then those seven years of plenty, those, those tiny cows, they're a picture, they're a representation of seven years of famine that are, that are gonna come after the seven years of, of bounty, of abundance. And, and Pharaoh was like, that makes sense. We need to do something about this. I, I wonder if there's anybody in our land who is smart enough or wise enough or discerning enough to help us come up with a plan, a strategy to make it through the good times and the bad times. And, and Pharaoh's thinking, he's walking, looking around and his eyes land on Joseph. And he's like, you're the guy. You told me the dream. I'm going to put you in charge of everything. You're in charge. You are second in command of all of Egypt. And so, so now Joseph is literally taken out of the prison and he is put in a palace. Convinced that God was with him. Now let's fast forward 10 years in the story. That dream of abundance becomes a reality. Egypt experiences seven years of, of, of great times. And the scriptures talk about how Joseph stored it and, and planned for, for the famine by, by being wise and prudent during those, those first seven years. And then the, the next uh, seven years begin and they get into a couple of years of the, the next section uh, of, of time. And, and now there's a famine and it spreads virtually globally. Doesn't just stay in Egypt, but it affects other nations. And now, what begins to happen is word spreads that things in Egypt are, are still pretty good because they had been smart, they'd been wise, and they'd been, been saving their grain, they'd been saving uh, their harvest for, for this moment in time. And so, logically, Joseph's family, remember them? Joseph's family is affected by the famine. And Jacob, his dad, sends his sons to Egypt dun, 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 to get some food. And if you've never just sat down and opened you know, the, the end of Genesis, starting in, verse, in chapter 37 and reading the rest of uh, the book of Genesis, let me just encourage you to read it. It's such a great story. There's, it's, so, it's so powerful, it's so moving, and, and we're, we're fast forwarding through this, but let me encourage you to, to read it for yourself. But Joseph's brothers make their way into the palace to request the food. And when Joseph sees them, he's so overcome with emotion that he can barely control himself. He leaves, kind of gets alone in a, in a corner, and he just breaks down and weeps. Weeps when he sees his brothers. 
Again, without going into all the detail, he kind of puts them through the ringer. He puts them, a, puts them through a series of tests to see if they've truly changed. And so they, they go through these tests about going back and bringing the younger, the, the younger brother and, and going back and, and, and getting and bringing back dad and then stuffing some, uh, some, some goods in their bags to make it look like maybe they had stolen it and what would they do? Would they come back? Whatever. So he goes through and he tests them. But after a period of time, Joseph can't stand it any longer. And so then there's this, this, this kind of you know, climactic moment in the story, the scripture says that, that he strips off his headdress, right? Maybe wipes off the Egyptian makeup and he steps forward and he says, hey guys, it's me, Joseph, your brother. Can you imagine that moment? I mean, it's a powerful powerful moment and you you begin if you've never read the story you're like what are the what are the brothers going to do are they going to be glad are they going to be sad how are they going to respond how, how are they going to react well before they can do anything joseph says to them in chapter 45 starting in verse starting in verse 4 so joseph said to his brothers Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said to them, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And then he, then he, then he says this. Now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. And then listen to what he says. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Let me keep reading. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And then verse 7, And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Amazing response. Amazing perspective from Joseph. Let me ask you that question again. How, how would you, how would your outlook on life, your attitude toward others specifically change if you believe that in everything God was with you? And the story Joseph's brothers return and get their father Jacob and bring him to Joseph. And after all, the, all of these years of separation, they're, they're reunited. Powerful, beautiful moment. And a few years later then, after Joseph replants his brothers in a land of Goshen so he could be close to them, Scripture says that Jacob, his dad, dies. Which brings us to Genesis 50 kind of the final scene in this story. Again, you can't blame the brothers for thinking this, but they begin to think, oh, wait a second. Do, do you think maybe Joseph was waiting until dad died before seeking his revenge on us? 
Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe this whole, this whole thing with him being kind to us was he was playing the long game because he didn't want to do anything to us while dad was alive because he knew they would make dad upset, but now that dad's dead, it's kind of removed any kind of restraint from him, and maybe, oh my goodness, he's going to kill us. I would we get it. Like, that would have made sense for his brothers to, to think that. Well, indeed, that's what, what they began to think. Genesis 50, 50, starting in verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Taking it to the higher plane, right? To, to the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. Joseph, please don't do anything. They're still not convinced that Joseph now won't pay them back for what he's experienced in all of his life. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, what you did years ago when I was a young man and you sold me, you, threw, you beat me up, threw me in a pit, lied about me, sold me into slavery, yeah, you meant it for evil. Let's make no mistake about it. You meant to do me harm. But God meant it for good. To bring to bring it about that many should be kept alive as they are today. So brothers, listen. Do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Great story, make, would make a great movie. Story of betrayal and a little bit of violence. Right? Some plot twists. It's a powerful, powerful story. It's part of our story. But this morning, how should we think about Joseph's life and its implications on our life? And now I want to just flesh out a couple of thoughts. What do you do? Or what can you do when you believe that God is with you? I think there are a couple of big takeaways. And I want to encourage you to write them down. You see, I think this. When we believe that God is with us, first of all, we can embrace God's purpose in everything that we experience in life. Joseph believed that. He was able to articulate that. He articulated that to his brothers. God had a purpose in this, guys. Not just the good stuff, but the bad stuff. God can override what others meant for evil for his good purposes. What, what others meant for evil, God can use for good. And in Joseph's life, think about it. His dad's parenting mistakes are what led to his brother's hatred, which led him to slavery 
in Potiphar's house, which then led to false accusations by Potiphar's wife, which then led to the prison, which led to him being forgotten, which led to Pharaoh, which led to the throne, which led to Joseph getting to the place where he could save God's people. But we need to remember this. God was with Joseph just as much in the pit as he was in Potiphar's house, as he was in the prison, as he was in the palace. But as I say that, I need to, I need to parenthetically say this because I don't want you to miss this. Believing that doesn't reduce or minimize the sin of others. Let me say that. Believing that God is with you in every circumstance, that God has purpose in every experience in life, does not minimize or reduce the sin of others. Did you notice in the story, Joseph didn't downplay what his brothers did. He called what they did evil. You know, sometimes when, when we are trying to cope with the bad things that other people have done to us, we'll, just, we'll do just that. We'll downplay. Well, they, they were just young. They were just confused. Well, my parents were just doing what they thought was right. I mean, after all, all families struggle. Well, you know, after, I, mean, I guess, you know, when you look at it, and you know, I guess this marriage just wasn't meant to be, right? A lot of people, you know, they go through divorce. A lot of parents get divorced, or whatever it is. <coughs> we have to not do that. Scriptures don't want us to do that. Joseph didn't do that. He called evil evil. He, he, didn't, uh, he didn't say to his brothers, well, you know, guys, I get it. Sibling, sibling rivalry is normal. You know, golly, you're just doing what big, you just did what big brothers do, right? Being sold into slavery, you know, covered up by a lie, being told I was eaten by animals. Gosh, guys, man, that happens. That happens all the time. Pfft, don't worry about it. It's all good. Right? He didn't minimize what his brothers did. See, part of, part of experiencing God's healing for our past involves facing up to the fact that people have sinned against you. It's just not that we leave it there. That's not where the discussion stops, right? And a lot of people can never get beyond, can never move past the evil that others have done to them. And please, as your pastor, as your friend, I do not want you to minimize the sin of others. But I do want you to be able to move forward in spite of the sin of others. I want you to get to the place where you can believe this, that God overwrites 
evil things others do for my good and his glory. He overwrites it. He didn't didn't condone it. He, He didn't orchestrate it. He didn't design it. But he can override it for your good and his glory. And that might be difficult to embrace, but it's true. But there's another truth that we need to embrace, and we'll end with this. When we believe that God is with us, we don't have to understand everything that happens in life. See, knowing that God has a purpose in everything doesn't mean that you will always see it. Sometimes we can, right? In Joseph's life, we can see clearly at the end of his life, here was the plan. We can see that each stage of Joseph's journey was necessary. It was all part of a bigger picture. But in the middle of it all, as Joseph is in a pit, as he's sitting in Potiphar's house, as he's sitting for years in a prison, he doesn't see it. All of the pieces of the puzzle weren't put together for Joseph until he got to the end of the story. Sometimes we can see it. And some of you right now are, might be in the middle of the pit. You might be sitting in a prison of some type and you're looking forward to getting out and getting to the palace and perhaps, perhaps, perhaps one day the picture will be made clear for you. Perhaps. Because sometimes eventually God allows you to see what he was doing all along. But sometimes, sometimes you die and never discover why. Sometimes you die and never discover why. Read Hebrews 11. There are a lot of great spiritual men and women who never got to see the end of their faith. Their story wasn't complete. I mean, from their perspective. They didn't see the end of their pain. Sometimes when we're going through things, it's not about somebody else. Joseph's life was spared for the sake of others. The the, the suffering that he went through was clearly so that God could rescue a people in and through him. But sometimes we go through certain things because there needs to be something that happens in us. We've talked in the past about the Jap- Japanese form of pottery called kintsugi, right? Where you take a, a, broken, uh, a, a broken piece of pottery and then you put it back together using uh, kind of a, a golden uh, type of a glue. And when you then put those pieces back together, the put together piece of pottery is even more beautiful than the original, even though it's been broken, the brokenness and then being put it back together with the, the gold glue, for the sake of a better, better way of explaining it, makes that piece of pottery even more beautiful and more valuable. Sometimes we go through difficulty for our own sake so that our life can become more beautiful. beautiful. You know, there are some parts of following Jesus that you can only know through pain. 
Paul testified to that. There are some parts of our journey with Jesus that we can only know through the pain that we experience. And sometimes the pain that we experience is what God uses to enable us to minister to other people. The cancer that you're dealing with, the miscarriage that you're still processing, the abuse that you've endured. Not that you continue to endure. I'm not, I'm not giving permission for you or saying that you should go through divorce or abuse in the present tense. If you're in the middle of an abusive situation, get out of it. If you need help getting out of it, come and talk to me. But I'm talking about your past. If you've been through it, maybe God is able now or will someday be able to use that for you to be able to minister to somebody else in pain. The mental illness that, you're, that you continue to battle, Again, God sometimes uses those, those, those pain points to help you to minister to others who have similar or the same pain points. See, some of you have, have gone through pain and you've believed the answer to the question that we've been asking, that God is with you. You've chosen to believe that in the middle of my pain, God has been with me. And, and your testimony is this, is I, I've been there. I've been in the wilderness and Jesus was right there with me. I've tasted Jesus in the wilderness and I've been in that valley and I found him to be the water that I needed while I was there. God uses that. God uses that. Reminder of a familiar verse, Romans chapter eight, verse 28. Let's put it up on the screen. I think we... Should have that up there. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together. Not all things are good, but all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God works it together. And again, let's be honest, sometimes what you're going through makes absolutely no sense. Let me encourage you to even when what you're going through doesn't make sense, to believe that God is with you in the middle of it. Because he is. Because he is. See, the story of Joseph doesn't mean that that God will work it all out every time just the way you want it to, just the way that's, that's kind of nice and neat and tidy and, and now you see it in this life. But God will always work it out in the grand scheme of history. But you say, I want resolution in my lifetime. I want to see the end of it in my lifetime. So do I. There, there's still a lot of dangling whys in my life. Why this? Why this? Why did this happen? Why did, why did we go through this? Why did we experience this? And, 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 and I'm just like you. I'd like to have that answered before I die. And maybe we'll have an answer, or maybe we won't. But 10 seconds into eternity,
It won't matter. It, it won't matter at all. And as followers of Jesus, that's the hope that we cling to when we just want to wring our hands and say, God, I don't get it. I don't get it. I want you to hear God say, but do you believe that I was with you in that? Do you believe that I'm with you now? Do you believe that I'll be with you tomorrow and the next day and the next day? Because one day, everything, it won't matter. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4. He said, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He calls it momentary affliction. He calls it a light momentary affliction. I mean, do you guys know anything about Paul's life? His suffering was not JV level. I mean, it was varsity level. It was master's level. It was doctorate level suffering. I mean, he's not talking about suffering because we have slow internet at home. Oh, I can't believe this. Right? This is coming from Paul, the guy who was beaten and stoned three times. He was forsaken by his friends. He was lied about. He was betrayed. But he says, but, but the truth of the matter is, it's light and momentary compared to what's ahead. The scene in, Joseph, in, in Genesis 50. I mean, do you see any lingering disgust from Joseph? Any bitterness and pain? No, for Joseph, it was all washed away. And he was just glad to be back in connection with his brothers. See, Joseph's life shows us that there's no wasted event. There's not one wasted second. There's not just one random molecule in the universe. God was with him in the pit, the prison, and in the palace. The pit and the prison were the means to the palace. But there's something that we do need to remember is that Joseph's life shows us, and this is sobering, is that often the path to God's salvation does involve suffering. It does involve suffering. God didn't save the nation of Israel despite Joseph's suffering, but because of it. And here's what we think about Jesus. Jesus is suffering for us. Going through the hell that we deserved so that we could be rescued so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be forgiven, so that we can be brought into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And if you're here today and you've never experienced that, you don't know what it means to be in a right relationship with your Heavenly Father, I want you to think about Jesus. And, and I want you to know that He loves you. He died for you. He shed His blood for you. He suffered pain for you so that you could experience the joy of a relationship with him. So as the worship team comes, let me ask one more time. How would your life change, or how does your life change, knowing that God is with you? How should, how can, how will your attitude change toward what happened to you in your past? Believing that God was and is and will be with you, 
Who, who do you need to forgive? Or who do, you, who do you need to begin the process of forgiving? Because again, we've been down this road before about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice, but forgiveness is also a process. It's a journey. And some of us just need to start that journey. And then let me ask you the question, are you working now in the situation that you're in? Like whatever you're experiencing right now, whether you're in the pit, the prison, the palace, or someplace in between, are you living as if where you're at now is an assignment from God? This is where God has you. And he has a purpose for you right where you're at. And then can you rejoice even in those broken places in your life knowing that they're there for a purpose? Listen, this, this, is, this story, it's powerful. And it's not a story. When I say story, you understand that's not made up. This is our story. This is historical. This, is ha- this happened, right? It's a true story. But Joseph's true story has a lot, of, a lot of relevance to our stories collectively. And so we're gonna sing, but I've got a sense, and I don't, I'm not gonna presume upon what the Spirit of God and the Word of God has said to us today, but I'm just gonna presume that some of us just need to pray. and You might need to pray with somebody so here's my, my ask. If you're a D group leader, any of my D group leaders, would y'all just come up here and just kind of look around and if somebody in your D group makes eye contact with you and says, come and pray with me, go pray with them. If a friend in your life group, that, that, that you're like, hey, but, like, let's minister to one another in a very kind of authentic, kind of messy way. And if you just want somebody to pray with you this morning, we, we would love to have somebody Uh, pray uh, with you, over you, and for you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's step one. Come and talk to me about that. I want the privilege of having a conversation with you. And if today's the day that you're ready to begin to, to follow Jesus, let's talk about that. Father, we love you. We thank you for the day. I thank you for the life of Joseph, his story, his testimony, and God, the things that we can learn as we think through his story and our story. God, move amongst us in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's respond as God's leading us.